Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Midwest Auto Sports Podcast. My name is Lauren Big Contact Kelly, and we're here virtually in the studio today with, as always, your resident mid-pack retard driver. My name is Will. Yes, his name is Will. My name is Lauren, and we're here to talk about some racing today, as we do each and every week, and as we are each and every week, we're sponsored today by Sage Fruit. Sage Fruit is a high-quality grower, packer, and shipper of Washington State apples, pears, and cherries. We work hard on the farm, in the packing houses, and in sales to deliver an exceptional eating experience to our customers. For the past 17 years, Sage Fruit has been a proud sponsor of Sprint Cars and Sprint Car Racing. We value our relationship with Sprint Car fans and appreciate your continued support of Sage Fruit. Ask for Sage Fruit at your local grocer. Sage Fruit, an exceptional eating experience, and uh, I think we can announce now that Sage Fruit it will be returning for season three of the Midwest Auto Sports podcast as a sponsor. So that's 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 pretty awesome, or a title sponsor, I guess. Uh, so that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, but Will, do you want to run us I'm down? The, oh, you're you're excited. Yeah, <laughs> you're excited for Sage Fruit to come back. Um, I am. And then uh, Will, you want to run us down our show for today a little bit. Uh, no guest today, but uh, it's going to be a pretty packed show in terms of news, and uh, our, I think our soapbox is going to take a little bit, a little while there at the end. Yeah, yeah, I just, I, I, I just had to check my document here to see what was going on in that. Anyway, um, as always, we'll kind of talk with it's. It's a big Formula One season right now. Uh, all the car, it's car release season, folks. Um, we have a couple cars, and we got to talk about that. And some little nitpicky, nerdy stuff that we can get into. Um, the Daytona 500, uh, the big race, had a, had a lot of big ones in it. Uh, we'll talk about dirt and some World of Outlaw, some local, kind of some like drama, I would call it, with Angel Park Speedway. And then there's a charity race coming up. Um, it's actually on my birthday. Uh, I won't be attending, but there's some Wisconsin drivers involved with that. Um, our, we don't really have anything in the rumor mill until unless I come up with something on the way down the list here. That's on and your birthday. And they soapbox. Did, that's on your birthday. They didn't even invite you. No, I didn't know about it until <laughs> uh, Chase McDermott. Chase McDermott asked uh, asked uh, about it. In a, a few days ago mm-hmm. um to you but yeah that'll pretty much do it we won't really have a feature winners because there hasn't been really that many races uh there's no real upcoming races as we'll talk about later on 
and there's no interview today either. So we'll just go a little more in, into depth with the news and our opinions on that yeah. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And our uh, news today, as always, is brought to you by QualityFreightRate.com. The auto racing family is like no other fan base on the planet. Loyal, hardworking, blue-collar, and kind people all gathering for a common purpose day in and day out at local racetracks around the world. And that's what you'll find at QualityFreightRate.com. Shipping all over North America, Quality Freight Rate works with thousands of companies and has over 27 years of shipping experience. And we do it all for less. Use code TEAMMAS for 10% off your first shipping quote at qualityfreightrate.com. And uh, to kick things off in our news segment, as Will said uh, in our little intro, it is car release season uh, in Formula One. Um, it's kind of a big deal because it's the first time we get to see what the teams will be working with uh, in 2021. Um, and so uh, there's always some new and interesting uh, liveries put out there. Uh, but the first two that have been released were McLaren and Alpha Tauri. Uh, Will, I don't know if you have any uh, opinions, or actually, I know you have opinions um, on <laughs> on both of their um, designs. Uh, McLaren kind of sticking with what they had last year with a few subtle tweaks to the car itself, whereas Alpha Tauri kind of had a complete um, remake of their livery. Excuse my dog in the background. He's upset that a Penske truck was, he, that a Penske truck just drove by. Apparently, he's a uh, <laughs> He's more of a Hendrick Motorsports fan. I was going to say that but, he's a Chip Ganassi fan. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it's car release season. Um, McLaren and AlphaTauri releasing their cars. Uh, no, I mean, the biggest change would be the AlphaTauri. Uh, but the McLaren, but the, I, I like the white wheels on the AlphaTauri yes. the most. Um, I'm just going to let this dog outside. I'm so sorry about that. No, you're good. <laughs> Come here. That's not even in our driveway. <laughs> Anywho. Uh. Yeah, uh, I was more... I've been kind of following uh, some channels that I like on YouTube that were covering the car releases, and I was more interested in the technical side of the McLaren uh, yeah, it looks the same, but it's really not. If you look at like the top view, the mm-hmm. whole car is pretty much thinner. I mean, the floor is still as wide as it can be for aero purposes and other stuff like that. But what they call the Coke bottle at the back of the car from the driver's head backwards, it's, it's a lot thinner. Um, and that has to do with just the Mercedes engine and um, kind of some philosophies behind the Mercedes engine itself, and I guess the the tub of the car is different as well with the with the different radiators and the cooling systems with the side pods. The side pods are thinner too. It's kind of just taking on a whole new kind of philosophy for the McLaren guys. Uh, I'm interested to see how that ends up for them. As for the Alphatari, I think it looks good. Um, I'm just gonna pull up a picture for myself here i like it um the only view i didn't really like of the alpha tower was the kind of side angle view from down low that they that they put out initially but then once you see it from the direct side on and especially from the front i think it looks amazing from the front with the really really dark blue that they have on there but back to what you said about the mclaren um i think it's interesting how and we're gonna touch on this a little bit here 
uh, in just a second. But obviously, McLaren switching from Renault to Mercedes engines this year, and they were just Honda not that long ago either. Uh, but I don't think people understand how difficult it is to just switch engines. It's not like you can just. It's not like a sprint car or a or a NASCAR or something like that. It's the whole entire car is built around the engine. So they had to completely remake the rear end of that McLaren car. And I'm sure some other things on the car as well, like you said, the cooling systems for the, for the brakes and the, uh, um, the engine itself is they're completely different. Um, so the arrow is different. Um, the rear of the car is a lot narrower. Like you said, the floor is actually simpler. Um, and that's just part of the new regulations as well, um, that they implemented for this season. Um, just, there's no, there's not a lot of uh, skirts and fins and stuff like that on the floor of the car. Um, so that looks a little bit differently. However, it was confirmed Alpha Tauri has not actually debuted their car for this season. That livery was placed on their 2020 car in their, um, their in the release that they put out. So they have not actually shown us their car for this season, which I think is kind of interesting. I don't think it'll be very different at all. Um, they haven't really, AlphaTauri hasn't really changed anything um, technically. I mean, they'll probably work on some aero stuff as everyone else does. And well, they have, there's some new aero rules this year. Yeah, they have more backing from actual Red Bull. It's their, they have equal resources. Is that correct for this season? I believe AlphaTauri and Red Bull, uh, which is interesting as well. So. Uh, but the interesting thing about Mercury or Mercury about McLaren <laughs> was that there's no Mercedes branding on the car, um, and I th- I think there was an article somewhere where they explained why, but I don't remember the exact reason. I don't know if you have any more info on that. Um, I'd have to guess that it has something to like. Obviously, I'm not involved with the contracts, and nor would I ever want to be with a at that scale, but it probably has something to do with them just being a customer with, uh, no, it's probably negotiated in the deal that their customer, they don't have to advertise for them. It's, it'd be like going to the, Oh, you go to Walmart, you know, you buy some food. doesn't mean you have to like advertise for Walmart, you know? Right. And Haas and, uh, just comparatively Haas and, um, Alfa Romeo don't have Ferrari logos plastered all over their car. Um, and Alfa Romeo is actually uh, considered a Ferrari B team, and there's not even Ferrari um, logos on that car. So I don't really understand why everybody was jumping out. Oh, there's no Mercedes on the car. They're a customer, like you said. You wouldn't go into, like you said, go to Walmart and then just plaster your car all over with Walmart because you like shopping there. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, the um, everything oh. that they're doing is just to get better. Yeah, um, as a team, they thought Renault would, didn't couldn't provide them with a engine that could take them back to the front. Uh, so they went to Mercedes, who's obviously a proven winner. And obviously, it's not just the engine that's winning Mercedes all these races and championships, but it is the whole package, and the engine is part of the package. And and McLaren is wants to get in on that action. Yeah, but and, another oh, one more thing that I wanted to add is if you I I saw like a side profile view of all the McLaren cars since they went back to the the pup, the now famous papaya orange they they've added more sponsors and more sponsors every year mm-hmm. it, it's crazy how much they've uh, have as they've gotten closer to the front 
of the grid again. They've added more sponsors. Third in the Constructors' Championship last season, I'm sure, helped them out a ton, um, especially beating out Racing Point, who everybody thought was going to be, if not a front-running car, that third-place team. Um, but they beat them out like pretty decently. They were actually fighting more with Renault by the end of the season. Um, so I think there was some talk with Zach Brown that he felt that McLaren had maxed out what they could get from the Renault engine in terms of their raw pace. So they would, you know, they would race and they feel like they felt like their car was as good as it could possibly be. And that their chassis design and the arrow and stuff like that was right on par with what Red Bull and Mercedes were doing. Um, but they felt like the, their engine was the one thing that was holding them back. Um, so they, apparently there was talk that they were going to go back to Honda. Um, and then obviously Honda decided to pull out of F1. So then McLaren went to Mercedes uh, because they were the kind of their section second option in terms of the front running teams and what engines they used. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting to see how McLaren gets on this year. Um, I don't think they're just going to pop that Mercedes engines in the car and, and then be automatically the, fastest car on the grid but i think i think they'll be considerably faster than they were last year um but i'm not sure where that will put them because there was such a huge gap between mercedes and red bull to the rest of the field yeah of course and uh just one more thing uh talking about uh formula one here with the cars um red bull announced that there will be they formed red bull powertrain mm-hmm. limited they're buying they're buying up Honda's intellectual property and uh, factories for manufacturing uh, engines for the Formula One cars, and they'll take it on themselves starting in 2022, actually, or 2022 or 2023. I think next year's kind of going to be a transition period, but they want to stay competitive and use their own engines, and everything on the car will be made by Red Bull, an energy drink company, which is crazy. Yeah, that's insane that a Red Bull that an energy drink company has that amount of resources and uh just people that work for them and I'm sure they're going to hire some people from Honda and stuff like that or people that are familiar with those Honda power plants um to continue to use them. Obviously, eventually I think I think in the first few years it's basically just going to be the Honda the same pretty much the same engine just with tweaks to match the regulations. But I think, I mean, eventually it's just going to be a red, a purely Red Bull engine, which is really crazy to think about. Yeah, I, that's going to be crazy too. That um, I don't know. It just kind of caught me. I know there was rumors surrounding it and whatnot. I mean, you pay attention quite a bit to uh, what Formula One is, what all the news in F one. It's still crazy to me that there'll be a Red Bull power plant in a yeah. Red Bull car. Yeah, it's just weird. That's like if uh, Monster Energy all of a sudden decided to enter their own engine in NASCAR. (laughs) It's really, really crazy. Um, But moving on from that, um, another F1 news. F1 is teasing the idea of doing sprint races like what F2 does. Um, And they also intend to race at Portugal in 2021. There was apparently some FIA summit thing about Formula One and... Um, with Liberty Media and everything like that. And uh, the ideas of sprint races was introduced. For those of you who don't know, F2 
does qualifying on Saturday, and then they also do a feature race, quote-unquote, on Saturday where they line up like they do for qualifying. And then on Sunday, they have a sprint race, which is a little bit shorter than the feature race, um, but it's an inverted grid from the feature race. But F1 is teasing the idea of doing a sprint race on Saturday, uh, which is inverted from their qualifying order, and then they'd go into Sunday and do their regular Grand Prix. Which is crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I, it sound, They make it sound more complicated than what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, to what we know it as, I think it'd be more of a dash for the Formula 1 cars, mm-hmm. as we would know it with the dirt world. They'd uh, invert the race instead of qualifying kind of thing. Uh, more of a mix between a heat race and a dash of what we would know just from my understanding of it but i don't know it's it's something um why don't we talk a little bit about something we're all a little more familiar with with the the daytona 500 yeah this was the other big asphalt news uh from this past week obviously um i think it was kind of a boring race uh to be perfectly honest throughout the entire 500 miles uh, the only real exciting things were either, obviously, crashes um, and the runs to the checkered at the end of each stage uh, because then people started to pull out a line and uh, start to try and make moves to get more stage points. But uh, I really, I mean, for the most part, once things got settled down after a restart or, um, you know, after a yellow, they it would pretty much be single file the whole way around the track. Nobody really wanted to move up or down or... Uh, everybody is just kind of playing it safe. And then once the end of the stage came, then uh, you'd make some moves and try and go to the front. But obviously the end of the race was insane, um, as it usually is at restrictor plate tracks and stuff like that. And apparently, um, before we get into uh, you know who won and all that stuff, the wreck coming to the checkered, obviously Brad Kozlowski um, got a big push from Michael McDowell, who eventually won the race, um, and got into the back of his Penske teammate, uh, Joey Logano. Um, but if you look at some of the replays, it was pretty clear to me that Joey Logano tried to throw a block and uh, came down way too late um, and just kind of got into the right front of Brad Kozlowski. Um, and they both went spinning, caused a huge wreck, and Michael McDowell took advantage and was in front when the yellow flag came out. And he's the 2021 Daytona 500 champion, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, uh, who would have thought that uh, Michael Walt or Mike, Michael Walter Michael McDowell um, would be, you know, the winner of the biggest race of the year for for NASCAR, and it's I don't know. I'm I was so happy for him. I mean, uh, we we have a group chat with some uh, racing people that we talk with uh, on Facebook Messenger. And we were all, there's a bunch of us up and chatting about the race as it was happening live. And uh, I don't know, there was some people clamoring that, uh, oh man, it's going to be Brad Keselowski. Oh, it's, it's going to, I said, it's going to be Michael McDowell. And someone said, no yeah, way. You do. <laughs> I said, no way. I, I laughed at you. I genuinely laughed at you. <laughs> yeah, well, um, <laughs> As it was coming down to it, my, uh, McDowell, he did it. I'm like, no way. There's no way I called that with 10 to go. But That's it happened. The, the C's split for 
Michael McDowell at the end there. Uh, a lot a big, big carnage at the end. Uh, most of the cars involved, I think only like four made it out that weren't involved in some capacity. I'm sure some made it through at the, at the tail that didn't hit any cars, but oh, uh, Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson completely wrecked and still finished 10th. Um, so. He kind of just slapped. He just kind of like slid up into the wall though and kept her going. Yeah. He's kind of, he's, he's good at that kind of stuff. Um, normally it's uh, coming to the close of a race and he slaps the wall with the tail up in the fence and <laughs> ends up costing him the race for uh, his NASCAR uh, runs. But, and he kept her going straight, and he turned what could have been a uh, a very poor finish into something salvageable for a top ten in this first race back mm-hmm. in almost a year. Yeah, well, um, the interesting thing, too, with Larson was there was a graphic that Fox Sports put on their broadcast that showed supposedly when the yellow flag came out, and it froze the field that showed that McDowell was in front of Chase Elliott, and confirmed him as the winner, but then you look behind there, and Kyle Larson is very clearly in fourth place, uh, according to that graphic, but apparently it was just a mistake with the graphic. They put the wrong um, car, on, or the wrong, like, wrap on that digital car in the graphic, and it was just a mistake. But there was a bunch of people on Twitter, like specifically Dirt Track Twitter, um, that were all up in arms about, why is Kyle Larson not fourth? Uh, but I think it's regardless of how the race was, um, in term, I'm, I think it was just genuinely really, really boring up until the end. But, uh, Michael McDowell, I mean, that's probably the best outcome. I think that's so <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a life changing win for him in general. He's been in the sport since at, at least 2011, if not earlier. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, earlier, earlier two, yeah. 2009. Yeah, because I I saw on Reddit someone they made this giant graphic about uh, how many drivers have started a race after after Michael McDowell started, and how many have won a race after Michael McDowell started. And it was like thirteen people have started a race and won their first race in between the time that Michael wow. McDowell won or won the Daytona five hundred and started his first race. What's crazy, too, I mean, you know, people could say, oh, he just sucks and got lucky. He has never been in a top ride. I mean, never been in a in a a team that's regularly competing for wins like Penske, Hendrick, or, uh, you know, one of those other teams. I can't, I can't think of a Stuart Haas or something like that. Um, he's always been – he had three years from, I think it was 2009 to 2012, where he started – and he started and parked every single race for three years. That's that has to be the worst three years of anybody's racing career. Um, yeah, it probably it probably sucks. Honestly, I oh man, like just in the in dirt track racing, I've had to made a make a few runs in the hunt for a micro championship. Um, and even in the 360s too, where I had to go out there make two laps for points and pull off because uh, my engine was not gonna make it otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it sucks. Like I, I really, or this one time at Angel Park, I got collected in a heat race and we just hit, we scrambled to get the car to even like roll. So I went out there and like 
half throttle, quarter throttle, made two laps and pulled in. And oh man, I just wanted to go. I can I, I feel for the guys who do the start and parks, but that's how teams get better. Uh, we see that with um, we don't see that a lot with the start and parks now with the charter system, but that's how. Levine Family Racing, who closed its door last year, they started Furniture Row Racing, started as a start and park team. It, it, it's to, um, if you can able, if you're able to do it, uh, it's a good way to grow a team um, rather than spending millions of dollars right away into uh, making a program. Oh, and Front Row Motorsports was a start and park team for a while, yeah, and now they yeah. have now they have two wins. In NASCAR, and one of their wins was when uh, I think David Reagan and David Gilliland finished first and second uh, at Talladega, and they were teammates at Front Row. So that's awesome for McDowell, and he actually won a Xfinity race at Road America, uh, which I didn't, I forgot about until I think Eric Miller posted about that on Facebook. Uh, of course, the announcer at Road America, but uh, yeah, I think that's awesome. Obviously, they had the big one early, and then a massive rain delay that postponed it um till later that evening and we had the whole entire daytona 500 under the lights which i think was really cool yeah that kind of bit and you you kind of mentioned that the daytona 500 was rather uh boring and that had i think that really had to do with uh two things uh with the christopher bell incident on lap 14 where he junked a bunch of cars uh, i don't think it was his fault um I think Christopher is a very experienced guy for how young he is. And I, I don't think it was really his fault. It's just kind of circumstance of the situation with the package that the cars have now with the rules and how aggressive everyone is early on. He just happened to fall into his lap. And uh, you can't you can't let off the gas no. at those tracks, and you can't brake at those tracks because otherwise that a worse situation would happen. So he just kind of rolled with it and there just happened to be a car in front of and kind of accordion in front of him and all that. But people were kind of laying it on early because they knew that kind of stuff was going to happen. They'd ride around during majority of the race and the last lap of the, the last lap of the stage or in the last lap of the race, you'd see him really, really go at it and mm-hmm. risk it to grab some stage points or at the end grab a, a win yeah but it was yeah it's it was a good end like you said like the endings to the stages and then obviously the end of the race were great because it actually meant something like this stuff you know everybody i think after, like you said after that first wreck and then the rain delay i think everybody kind of calmed down <laughs> i guess um, and just sort of stuck single file because nobody, there were only what, like 20 some cars left in the race after that first wreck. Um, so I think it was pretty clear that everybody was just kind of content to sit and wait it out and, uh, try and be there at the end, you know, whole, uh, to, to finish first, first you must finish. Um, so I think it was kind of that, that sort of deal. But uh, just uh, I just want to add one more thing to the Daytona 500 um, whole situation that it it sucks that they they kind of ride like they train like a train all the way around the top of the racetrack. But if you look back at previous Daytona 500s, even from like the golden era of NASCAR from whatever 19 
95 all the way through 2000 and until they started doing the tandem drafting stuff back in 2010, 2011. There's a lot of races at Daytona where they, they'd get strung out and do single file around the bottom. What's the difference, you know? And it, people loved the racing back then, too. Just yeah. uh, the drivers taking care of their stuff. They, they kind of have to. Yeah, exactly. But I think we're going to move on now. We've been talking about asphalt for almost half an hour. Um, yeah. And uh, dirt news, there's a lot. Um, obviously, the first one was just today Bill Baylog released his 2021 paint scheme or rap scheme or whatever you want to call it uh, for the for his all-star circuit of champions run. Um, it's a, I don't know if that's really news. It was just kind of something cool that happened uh, today. I thought we could talk about a little bit. Um, Will, what are your thoughts on his uh, on his 2021 rap. Oh, uh, I think I put it so eloquently in the in in our group chat. You asked me what you you thought of what I thought of it because you said I'm the I'm the pickiest paint scheme guy, you know. And I just replied with uh, Dees. I don't. I I think it's good. I don't think it. Uh, like I personally don't think it's going to win any awards or any art contests or anything either. But it's it. It's a good, solid scheme that's going to do its job and uh, help separate Baylog out from the rest of the guys. Yeah, I think it was. I think it's a little bit. It's definitely different than what he's had uh, in the yeah. past in terms of the. You know, he's stuck with that either blue or like blue and yellow or the black and yellow that he's had uh, recently. While when he was racing with Ryan Auto, um, and then obviously you have to go all the way back to I think it was two thousand and nine or two thousand and ten. The last time he had. Um, a significant amount of red on uh, the 17B. Um, so it's it's pretty cool to see him kind of go back to that this year with obviously I think that has to do with uh, Anderson's Maple Syrup uh, being his primary sponsor uh, for this year. And I definitely think it looks different, especially with the, the number on the top of the wing pushed all the way back. Uh, I think that looks pretty cool. Um, it's just different uh, than anything we've seen Bill run, um, especially recently. But I think it looks good. Um, and then World of Outlaws at Bristol, this was a big, 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 big uh, controversy. Yeah, I thought we maybe we were going to uh, put this to the soapbox section of our, our chat. And, oh, I mean, we could, you want to talk about that. But we could do yeah, that. We could do it now. Um, but we, yeah. we've got some other stuff to talk about in the soapbox section, I think. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. You put a... I don't know if I can even say what you put underneath here, uh, but it got a certain group of uh, individuals um, in a little bit of a tizzy um, over Bristol, the World of Outlaw Race at Bristol being invite only, and this is for both the, um, I believe this is for UMP mods, um, late models, and sprint cars, is that correct? I I think this only really applies to the sprint cars. No, I saw it. No, it's got to be late models too because they were posting about their invite list. So it, oh, maybe they? it's maybe it's just sprint I, cars I, and late I models. Really keep up with the late models. Yeah, maybe it's just sprint cars and late models. But either way, the World of Outlaw stuff at Bristol is going to be invite only. And then of course, there's a bunch of people that are posting on Twitter. Uh, thank you for the thank you for the invite World of Outlaws, but we're not going to show up like Danny Dietrich. Lance Deweese, if you notice, all these guys are from PA. Um, but I don't know. I just think that – I think it's a good thing. Everybody thought that – everybody's saying that it's dumb. Everybody should just be able to show up. If you can show up, if you can bring your stuff to Bristol, you should be able to race, blah, 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 blah. If you can't 
hang on a normal half mile like uh like Port Royal or uh you know just example like the big big half miles like Knoxville, Port Royal, Eldora, um Charlotte. If you can't hang at those tracks with the big boys, then you're not going to be able to at Bristol. And if you're a danger to society on the regular half mile dirt tracks, you're going to be like an actual safety hazard at Bristol. So I I think it's a really good thing. I don't I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Yeah, I'm in the sa- I'm in the same boat, but also I think one of the cool things about sprint car racing, uh, especially with the 410 Outlaw uh cars that you don't you don't really know who's going to show up uh to most races. It's kind of a you get you have a good idea, but there's always someone that kind of shows up and surprises um that oh, I didn't know they were coming kind of thing. But with this, I hope they. I hope it doesn't really get out of hand uh, with who they're inviting and who they don't invite. I hope they release their criteria and um, let the public kind of critic, like give some criticism on who actually makes that criteria, rather than it being a popularity contest. Because um, it, it popularity is. In racing, obviously, it's going to exist, but I don't. It's it's going to suck if like some guy, I don't know, from it doesn't even really matter where doesn't make the cut because he's not like a, a bigger name, even though he's got the good equipment and he's a good driver. Yeah, and the, the, the things that I saw on Twitter too with I think Johnny Gibson posted his personal invite list um, for the Outlaws at Bristol and. There were some people that were saying, oh, these, these people on there don't deserve to be there. Um, there was talking about uh, Ayrton Jeniton not being, not having enough experience in a 410. Litton Jeffrey hasn't won enough. All this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you have to understand the circumstances surrounding some of these guys that he's inviting. You know, Ayrton Jeniton uh, just recently moving up to 410s, but he's already won a 360 national championship. Um, and he proved in a 410, he ran top 10 with the world of outlaws at Terre Haute in a 410. Um, I think it was at Terre Haute or maybe it was one of the Missouri tracks. I think it was Lake of the Ozarks or something like that. Um, but he's ran top, top, top 10 with the world of outlaws was fighting for a top five in another race. Linton Jeffrey just won a 360 nationals race at Knoxville and he's been running at Knoxville for, I think forever since he's been in the U S so he has more half mile experience than a lot of these guys. And I think that's what you're going to see on the invite list is the half mile experience. Um, the, you know, having the experience going at the top, at top speed that these sprint cars are capable of, because we're going to see speeds at Bristol that we have not seen in a long, long time. And I think if you just open it up to anyone and every, everybody, I think you'd have some guys come there that maybe shouldn't be, racing a big 410 on a big half mile like that um and that could possibly be a safety hazard so i think that's it's obviously that's that's what this is it is a safety issue first and foremost it's not a publicity stunt it's not a thing to you know limit certain people from showing up um it's it's primarily a safety issue yeah um i i don't really I mean, I it doesn't really affect me in any way. I mean, if well, I had a 410, obviously, it'd be on my bucket list to race at Bristol <laughs> with this uh, coming up. But 
I don't know. I'd rather see people be safe too than um, than going just to run. And uh, as Jared Berber calls it, and they're eighty six gamblers. That's uh, <laughs> With just down to say tunes. they ran it. Yeah, just to say they <laughs> ran at Bristol. Mm. Yeah, and then other World of Outlaw news. Um, really sad news, actually. The races in Georgia, Alabama, California, and Texas that are supposed to happen these next couple weeks and the past couple weeks have all either been canceled or postponed. Um, the California ones were due to COVID, and Georgia, Alabama, and Texas are due to inclement weather. Um, and the Texas ones were supposed to be this weekend. Those are all canceled. Uh, the Georgia, Alabama ones were last weekend, and those were canceled as well for, I think, like sleet and snow and stuff. Uh, down there so and obviously texas has been getting uh quote unquote bombarded with snow it's more like a tuesday here in wisconsin for us but uh um <laughs> I, think I think it has to do with the cold too those guys really don't know what they're doing with the yeah with the, fr- with the below freezing temperatures it gets below 35 down there it, back up yeah it gets below 35 down there and everybody doesn't know what to do um and there's well, and that's that's not putting making light of the situation at all. There's a ton of people down there that actually like don't have power uh, and stuff like that, like entire towns that don't have power because of the cold, um, which is crazy to think about. Um, but that means that World of Outlaws they've gotten two races in this season, and Mother Nature has claimed seven events, um, and that's not even counting all the California races that were canceled due to COVID. Um, and of course there's a lot of people crying and saying, oh, you should come down and race in Florida. Um, Florida really isn't too much warmer than, um, the other places right now. And it's not that easy. Uh, you can't just add two races, uh, this weekend. I'm sure some teams would show up, but there's a lot of teams that went back home after that Volusia weekend. And, you know, they might go back to Iowa or, um, Ohio, somewhere around there, even in the Northeast, um, in Pennsylvania or New York or something like that. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, if you just added two races this weekend and points races, nonetheless, um, at Volusia or something like that, uh, it's a big ask for all the teams to go back down there. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know. You'd like to see races, but obviously if it's going to be freezing, uh, I, I wouldn't, want, I wouldn't want to be there in person either. Um, but it looks like they'll have some races coming up here early year next month or middle of next month, which, yeah, it's still March, still early in the year for racing. Um, and people are, there's going to be 90 other, there's going to be 80 other races. So watch this year. So I think they'll be fine. Yeah. I think we've looked over it. (laughs) But in local racing, uh, the, the the deal that everyone was talking about just a few weeks ago with Hans Lean and SLS uh, taking over the promotion of historic Angel Park Speedway, uh, it it fell through um, due to I think I think it was like a liquor license or something like that, mm-hmm. an alcohol li- uh, license of some sort. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was kind of what it was doing. What happened there might have been a, a accumulation of other stuff too. But um, they're still planning on racing in 2021, pending Dane County opening up 
and lifting their restrictions from COVID-19 um, from what it is currently. But, um, yeah, everyone but the MSA kept their dates at the track. I, I don't know what happened there. I wish I knew what was happening with um, that situation and why, why USAC is still on the schedule, even though it, they, they probably have the most to lose from all this and the All-Stars are still on the schedule. And they, they have to, most of those guys come from Ohio and Pennsylvania. But MSA is not on there anymore, which is mildly upsetting to me. But I guess we'll we'll get through. <laughs> mildly upsetting. <laughs> you, you were furious. Um. <laughs> I wouldn't say I was steaming or anything. I was like, what's the deal here? Like, they didn't cancel the races. Yeah. But they took us off the schedule. I don't know if the MSA just kind of is looking at it and saying, well, if the promoters left, then obviously the track isn't going to race. But I think they are going to race at some point. Um, I think the COVID situation um, is going to improve um, in Dane County. And I feel like Angel Park isn't going to take two years um, not racing at all. So I think they're going to race at some point this year. Um, I just, I don't understand. I really don't understand why the MSA pulled their dates. Uh, I think... You know, it was interesting, too, because I posed that question on Facebook to um, one of the board members from the MSA, and I didn't get a response, which is interesting, considering that other times when we've assumed things about it, they just say, well, you can always just ask us. Um, but, I, again, I don't know the situation. Um, I don't know anyone personally involved um, with that, or the people that I do know just won't tell me. Um, I wish I did. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> I think, uh, it's still, I mean, if, I think it's going to be really sad if the, if the, if Angel Park does race all year long and the IRA gets their dates in, the All-Stars get their date, USAC gets their date, Badger Midgets race there every time. If they get all those in and the MSA pulled all of their dates from that schedule, I think it's going to look pretty bad. <laughs> um, and I think it's going to be really sad because the MSA always put on a pretty good show at Angel Park. They actually had a lone broadcasted event at Angel Park. Uh, it was just the MSA with, I think, Badger Midgets and you know maybe, another, maybe Legends or something like that. And they were on Speed Shift TV two years ago. It, alone, it was the MSA featured event that was broadcast on Speed Shift TV, which was the first time I can ever remember that happening. Um, so it's just really perplexing, but, um, you know, I think that's kind of par for the course recently, um, for them. So I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that. I just want to start racing, man. Yeah, I think we all do. It needs to be, it needs to be April 10th, like yesterday. Um, but, uh, this other thing, this is speaking of racing, uh, we're going to have some racing. I mean, it is, it's at an adventure park. Um, in rental go-karts, but we have the King of the Wheel charity race here in Wisconsin. This is being organized by some good friends of ours, uh, uh, Rod Colburn over at the Colburn Wingless Sprints um, and Chatty Maddie Racing News. Um, This is being, this is fantastic. She's doing all the promotion and stuff for this. So that's, this is great. We're happy to support it. Um, It's going to be at Urban Air Adventure Park on March 28th from 12 to 5 p.m., Kind of a cool system. All of the drivers are racing for different charities, um, and they're all ra- raising money uh, in order to 
if I think it's whoever races, whoever raises the most money starts first in the race, uh, or something like that. And, uh, there's a pretty good crop of drivers. Uh, the midgets, Chase McDermott, obviously, uh, back-to-back badger midget champion, Brian Peterson and Kyle Brinkman, uh, Jimmy Sivia in the wingless contingent, Jimmy Sivia, obviously, uh, Wisconsin wingless champion last season, Nathan Crane and Derek Crane, both feature event winners in the Wisconsin wingless series. Uh, and then in the winged category, we have Tommy Colburn, Preston Rue, and Tyler Davis. This is actually some breaking news that was kind of subtly dropped. Tommy Colburn will be racing with the MSA uh, in 2021. So the MSA gaining a car there uh, with Tommy Colburn. That's pretty cool. That is cool. I think, uh, wasn't it Tommy Colburn and Jordan Paulson that put wings on at Beaver Dam, I think, when the MSA was there by themselves one week, I believe? Last yeah, season. that's that's yeah. I, I remember that. Yeah, so I think that's that's pretty cool. It'd be interesting to see if Jordan Paulson does that again. But uh, yeah, that's this is going to be a pretty cool race. Um, I think I'm going to be there for sure. Um, but it's at Urban Air Adventure Park, I believe it's in I believe it's in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Uh, March once again, March twenty eighth, twelve to five p.m. I think there's going to be some giveaways and stuff down there. Uh, it should be a pretty cool event. Uh, and go and watch some of the stars and future stars of the wisconsin racing scene and illinois chase mcdermott from illinois so that's going to be pretty cool um i think that's just about going to do it for our news segment though uh we're going to see how we're doing on time here but i think we can go on to our soapbox segment which uh will we were talking about this with our uh good buddy sean ray hall and uh he posted something on twitter on the twitter verse uh, about driver ratings in the FIA and uh in different categories um it's driver ratings are stupid uh I think we could just say that right off the bat I know Will I don't know if you did any more research into what actually goes into driver ratings yes I did actually you did perfect Uh, let's hear it yeah um let me let me let me grab the ratings. There's like a, a sheet on what you have to accomplish, but why don't you kind of explain what driver ratings are and um, what's going on with the so the Le Mans series? Yeah, it's, it's not the actual Le Mans series, no. but it's like the support group. So it's the Le Mans Cup, which is like a it's full of like LMP3 cars and GT3 cars and stuff like that. So it's like a an entry level WEC World Endurance Championship, something like that. Um, but they put out a press release. This is from their, I cannot believe that this was actually written by someone and posted. Uh, it says during the past few seasons, it has been noted that some bronze rated drivers have been posting times as quick as, or even quicker than those set by the silver rated drivers, gaining an unfair advantage over their fellow amateur racers. So (laughs) it's, it's interesting because. The bronze drivers aren't supposed to be as quick as silver-rated drivers, um, but they're punishing people for getting better. 
Like, I don't understand. And basically, the new system is designed to penalize bronze drivers that are as fast as silver drivers. This will be done by determining the silver driver's pace, identify the bronze drivers that are in that range, and then penalize them based on their performance. And it's not like a five-second post-race penalty. It'll be a 20-second penalty added to their pit stop time. If they go even faster, they'll have 50 seconds added to their pit stop time. And if they go faster than that, it will be a 120-second penalty. Two minutes. It's, I, I don't know. It's it's whack. It's um, unbelievable. It's it's whack over there and whack, I should say. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I don't know. So I just have some requirements uh, for those unfamiliar with the rating system. Let's see. It's a system created by the FIA uh, that lists drivers on the basis basis of their achievements, performances, and age. Uh, this it's used in the FIA, IMSA, um, European Le Mans series, and several other GT3 lists. Um, the initial cate- categorization is just where you start off at. Um, has to do in four categories. There is Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze, along with some other rules. But I'll just kind of break down the highlights here. Uh, so pretty much the platinum is uh, is you're good. Um, you you have an FIA, if you have have ever had an FIA super license um, and are under the age of 49, you are a platinum driver pretty much. Uh, if you won the 24 hours Le Mans in the pro categories. You have a platinum license, yada, yada. Top five finishers in some bigger open wheel series is uh, platinum. Um, Top three in the even bigger open wheel stuff is like Formula 3, Formula 2, or some other FIA formulas, and then some other winners. But that is pretty much the top level. Um, And then there's, there's gold. Uh, any if you have a, you have to meet uh, two of the platinum ones to be considered platinum. If your gold, if you if you meet one of the platinum criterias, but that it's pretty much just if you've won some entry level stuff. If you're paid by a factory, um, and you finish well in some different championships, and you finish well in yeah. some national and regional level single seater stuff, and or endurance stuff. But anyway, silver is where it gets interesting. Those two are pros. Like it's fine. Like they should make sense. It should be said here. Sean, Sean is gold rated. I still believe if you go on Wikipedia and look up the FIA driver ratings, like the full table, he's still gold rated. I believe. Um, but we joke about it all the time. (laughs) It hints, it hints at that in the other rules, but it's like a five year thing that Mm -hmm. you're set at pretty much Hmm. unless like unless you achieve one of these other things where sean isn't really driving anymore in those divisions so he'll be set at gold for uh for a few years yet yeah but anyway if a driver is aged under 30 and doesn't meet any of the platinum or gold criteria he's a silver um if you've won a WEC race in any division you're a silver um, whereas the gold and the platinum have more to do with champions, championship basis and not single race stuff. But if you work as a racing trainer, coach, or instructor, 
you're you're a silver for some reason. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't get that either. Um, but if you meet the requirement of gold, but you're over fifty, you're you're silver. And I don't really understand why age is in here. It kind of no sucks. It's like if but, you if you're a gold level driver and you turn fifty, you're automatically silver. Like that makes yes. no sense. That makes absolutely no sense. But there is one more category. Categorize. I can't even talk to you. Categorization. Um, but if you're over thirty when you apply for your first license, uh, you're bronze, and with very minimal chances of moving up. Um, if you didn't compete in any karting or anything, if you're under thirty and you're under thirty, you don't have any experience. It'll be a bronze, but you can you can pretty much move up as they see fit. And the, as for other rules, the other stuff is pretty nitpicky. But if any driver aged above 50 that has been raised, or let's see, there's the age stuff. Any driver that has been downgraded within three years before his 50th, 55th, and 60th birthday, they, they, they'll be, they won't be downgraded. But if you haven't, uh, 50, 55, and 60 are the years that you get downgraded. And which it, I don't know. Pretty much what I've done research on is this is this whole scheme was made up for the gentleman drivers. Yes, out there, which are if you if you don't know, gentleman drivers are they're amateur drivers who who pay for their seats. A lot of times they're like doctors, dentists. Uh, those from affluent families who just kind of wanted or made a bunch of money and wanted to fulfill their dream of being a race car driver, but they're not professionals. They are really trained. They'll have some coaching and stuff like that, but it's, I don't know. It's kind of embarrassing, I think, because there's some people, and I've looked through the list of who's who, and they have a full list of drivers in each one, Um, but it's, there's quite there's a lot of drivers a ton. out there and there's not there's not a lot of platinum drivers out there really um but yeah it's the bronze and silver are just packed with these gentlemen drivers and a lot of drivers like Sean it's an advantage to be downgraded almost mm-hmm. because with the amateurs you have to ha- you have to have drivers that are rated bronze and silver in the car yep. you have to if it's a four car team i think half of them need to be bronze or silver the other half you can be uh gold or platinum at least that's the way it works with imsa i don't really know the rules for whack so this but this Lamont's it Cup, I mean, you yeah. should be able to pick the the best drivers available to you within the car owner's reach i mean obviously no one has an unlimited budget but if you want to go get, if you want to go get an F one driver, you want to go get an IndyCar driver. If you want to go get Kamui Kobayashi and Ringer Van, Van Der Zand to completely sweep up the floor with these endurance <laughs> cars and IMSA, yeah, I mean, why shouldn't you be able to? You yeah, know? it's really dumb. This this Le Mans Cup thing says in 2016 the Michelin Le Mans Cup was launched as a series where each car had to have at least one bronze rated driver in the crew, with more seat time given to these amateur racers to aid in their development in endurance racing. So I get what they're trying to do by saying that basically what they're claiming is that these teams are putting bronze drivers that are actually not bronze drivers 
in their bronze driver slot, so they gain an advantage, whereas other teams have true bronze drivers who aren't as fast as the drivers that they're putting in. So I get what they're saying, but you're still penalizing someone for just driving fast. Like, I, <laughs> I don't understand that. I really don't get it. Um, and also, you could also be penalizing a team if their silver driver just sucks. Like, if, if you have a silver driver on your team that isn't as good as some kid who's coming up and is a bronze-rated driver, why would you get penalized if you just have this bronze-rated driver that's good? Like, I don't, I don't understand this at all. And I tried to have Sean explain it to me, and he didn't really even understand why they were doing this penalty system. But what was really interesting is the same people that make that make decisions on people's driver ratings are the same exact people that are putting in penalty systems like this, which is really, really weird. <laughs> it's like they're trying to, yeah, justif- it's- it's ju- they're trying to justify their own rating system. <laughs> but I think we're, we're running pretty short on time here. Uh, there isn't too many, uh, upcoming races in our liquid nitro energy drink winner circle. Um, there's some NASCAR races going on right now. Last night, obviously, um, the truck series happened. The, the finish was really good, but I think everybody can agree we need local yellows um, on road courses in NASCAR. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you watched that at all, Will. Yeah, I was. I I had the night off of work due to some uh, um, LASIK complications. I've been getting some pretty bad headaches. Last night, I went and saw the doctor. He said that uh whatever doesn't really matter in this context but yeah i got to i was able to take in the truck race though which was nice there was some good racing um until the end there <laughs> yeah where they had triple overtime yeah it's i don't know locally all need to happen there's a lot of people that were upset about that like they were so close to the finish they the leader was like 30 feet from taking the white flag and there was a yellow and they had to do it three more times. Yeah. Local yellows need to happen in NASCAR. I can't believe they haven't already. They race on road courses enough. They need to implement local yellows on road courses. It's a pretty simple thing to do. I feel like, but uh, obviously Xfinity series race is happening. in I think like just like an hour or something like that or half an hour. Um, and then uh, the sprint car or sprint car, sprint cup race, sprint cup, Wow, yes. Sprint Cup, Lauren. Yes, that's what it's called. No, Cup Series race is tomorrow um, and on the Daytona road course. So, um, yeah, I think that's just about going to do it. There's some stuff live on Flow yeah, Racing this we week. Can... We'll post our uh, Flow Racing schedule on our Facebook page. Um, but yeah. Will, you got anything else? I just wanted to thank our sponsors, Gasser's Project, Sage Fruit, Professional Plating, Quality Freight Rate, Recognition Rate Products, Kick-Ass Beef Jerky, Liquid Nitro, uh, Energy Drink uh, for their support. And you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify. Uh, rate rate our podcast and share with your friends. Uh, we're always trying to get better. If you have some criticism, send it our way on Facebook at uh, Midwest Autosports or MAS Autosports. Uh, the page name is on Facebook. Uh, yeah, that will do it. Yeah, if we if we suck, please let us know because uh, we we, we want to know. We don't really listen to our own podcast, so. Uh, but yeah, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week. 
Um, we were supposed to have a guest this week, but uh, with some things that happened um, in the racing world, uh, that kind of fell through this past week. So we'll be back next week with our full-fledged show. Hopefully we'll back in the studio. Hopefully you're feeling a little bit better there, buddy. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's just about going to do it. Keep it flat out. Talk to you next week.